focus on you, the AMD instructor. We want to build a community of sharing ideas and best practices in anatomy and physiology for the success of students everywhere. And I'm Valerie Kramer, the marketing manager for AMD here at McGraw-Hill. And I'm very excited today to introduce my colleague, who is much smarter than I and has a vast experience in AMD, Michael Coach, who has actually been on the podcast a few times and is our director of digital content. Hey, Michael, and welcome. Hey, thanks, Valerie. It's great to be doing a podcast with you. All of my previous ones were with Jim Connolly. Yes, yes, we've done a little trade-off there, but uh, hopefully the listeners aren't too dismayed with having my voice other than Jim. <laughs> well, first off, share a little background with us for those who are hearing you for the first time on Succeed in A&P. So I, I work with McGraw-Hill. I'm part of our life sciences team, and I get to work with um, all of the product teams in biology and microbiology, nutrition, and anatomy and physiology. Anatomy and physiology is uh, near and dear to my heart because I spent 15 years teaching human anatomy at, uh, as both an adjunct faculty member at community college and then um, for quite a while too at a four-year school. So I'm in about my fifth year, coming up on my fifth year anniversary with McGraw-Hill and as the director of digital content, I really get to be involved with the creation of our future digital products and kind of shaping them to make sure that they really work well for instructors and students. So I'm kind of bringing my teaching experience and my experience with students to really make products that will have meaningful results. And it's great we have that perspective because not all of us come from that teaching background. So Michael's a good yeah. uh, one to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, I like to tell people that I kind of get to work at the intersection of content, technology, and pedagogy, because those are the things that I deal with, you know, sort of, sort of on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, throughout that time of teaching and working here, you have seen a lot of technology updates. I know you started probably before there was even LMS or any kind of technology used in the classroom. Tell us well, a little bit yeah. about how you've seen it change. Yeah, I think um, my early years teaching, right, people were still using transparencies, overhead transparencies. So where's the overhead projector? Here's my transparency. You'd get them all lined up the night before or the morning before your lecture, and boy, heaven help you if you spilled those. <laughs> and they were slippery, right? Some, some of our listeners out there will remember that. They slid past one another, so they would just get all jumbled up and you'd kind of lose your way. Um, but yeah, from transparencies and a chalkboard to PowerPoint and a whiteboard um, to virtual reality, right, to having an LMS and, and kind of all the changes um, that have rapidly occurred. I can remember um, when I first started using Anatomy and Physiology Revealed in 2006, it was on CD-ROMs. Right, it was on individual CD-ROMs, and pretty quickly thereafter, that became like a DVD player, right? So now you only needed one or two DVDs versus uh, multiple CD-ROMs, and then uh, APR came online, and and really, when it came online in the 3.0 version, 
that was like 2010 or 2011. That's really when I first started using anatomy and physiology revealed um, in my human anatomy course. And just to let everybody know, anatomy and physiology revealed is McGraw-Hill's virtual cadaver simulation tool. And it's a great partnership that we have with the University of Toledo Medical School. Um, and they have a center for creative technology there that we partnered with almost 20 years ago to create this uh, wonderful product. And it allows a student, you know, imagine going into the thoracic cage and you can go through, you know, five or six different layers and see the relationship of anatomical structures and the layers kind of fade away, right? They kind of use a transparency. So, so you're kind of fading down and it disappears and you're in the next layer. And they're incredible, they're real photographs, right? That have been touched up a little bit by me medical illustrators to make them kind of, you know, all fit within the normal range of human variation, but wonderful photographs. Um, so incredibly realistic. And you can do dissection. There's an extensive histology component. There's also medical imaging with uh, CTs and MRIs and standard x-rays. And then there's also uh, a quiz mode. Super cool. And APR, for anyone who hasn't, hasn't seen it, well, we call it APR. So Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, also known as APR. And it is just such a cool thing to look at, no matter what background you come from. And uh, it's, we all are humans, so seeing the human body in all those different ways is pretty darn cool. So APR, it's the 16th birthday this year. So, I mean, we have some really exciting things coming up. But I think most importantly, what we want to talk about are the different ways that you can integrate APR in the classroom, because we all know that one of the biggest challenges we have in A&P is just the amount to cover and fit it all in into the class time that we have. So I know you have gathered some ideas and even used some of the ideas yourself on implementing APR using some creativity and outside the box ideas. So share with us a few of those, Michael, that you've seen that worked and uh, that you've seen success with. Sure. So. First, um, one of the most important features about anatomy and physiology revealed is the ability to create my course content. So in APR, there are 3,600 structures alone just in the cadaver dissection mode in that, comp in that component. So what that means is an instructor can actually go in and be incredibly specific which structures he or she wants to have their students know. So it's literally a checklist of all of the structures. It's organized by systems and topics and um, regions. It's pretty logically organized. But it gives you complete control over the content that your students see. And that's why APR is used in high school A&P courses. It's used in one semester A&P courses to all the way up to being used at medical schools because it has an incredible uh, breadth of content, but you can customize that content to your specific course, and it's um, not really not that hard to do, and it's um, completely evergreen. You can keep using that content. It basically, you create your own custom code. You can use that year after year and change it and edit it, and it all goes into effect immediately. So. 
That's one of the most important tools. However, you never take away all of the content from a student. So you might say, you know, I teach, um, I teach a two-semester A&P course. You know, there's no way students are going to know over 500 muscles, right? So let's narrow it down to the maybe 100 muscles that they need to know. When a student goes into the muscular system, they go under my course content, they see those muscles, but they can also toggle over to the all content. So everything is there. So you're not, you're not giving, you're not taking anything from them, right? You're just saying, here's the fence of what you need to know. If you wanna go beyond it, that's great. You can do that on your own. So I, I think that's one of the most important things. Um, and that allows it to be used in a lot of different ways, because now you've cut down on, you know, what do I need to know? Well, you need to know what's in your course content. So one of the ways um, that APR is, is used is it's a digital atlas, right? It, it's something that a student can use to look up structures, whether they're getting ready for lab the night before, whether they're in lab, of course, this depends on your lab and your, your policy using procedures, but you know, in all the different labs I've been in, there's typically an area off to the side where students can use devices or you might have lab station computers that are available for use. And they can also obviously use it after lab. So there's a search box in APR right at the top. It's pretty prominent. And a student uh, can just go to that and type in a structure and immediately see where that structure is. And also um, different, they'll get, so I just typed in uh, bicep brachii, and I see, you know, it's sort of listed in order um, that the content is presented in APR. I can see it in body orientation. I can see it in the muscular system, in the shoulder and arm anterior. I can also see it in the muscular system, forearm and hand anterior. And I can click on any of these and go right there. And as long as you, as long as you don't start a new search, you can jump right back and forth. So it's a really easy way of like, oh yeah, okay, bicep brachii. Well, I'm looking for the long head of the bicep brachii. I actually want to see it in the cardiovascular system. I can jump right there and then go back to my search box. So, you know, the way students use this is they're studying, they throw a term into, the, into APR, right? So they're maybe reviewing their lecture notes or they're reading in their textbook and they're not you know, the, the image that they're seeing isn't helping them understand it, they can put that structure right into the search box and go right there and get a great view of it, right, in a real human cadaver. And then and everybody like, loves the search box. <laughs> everybody loves the search they, box. Right? Yeah, exactly, because it gets you that quickly, right? So even if you have uh -huh. a, an anatomy lab atlas that you're using, well, what page, you're flipping through it, you can go right there. And then there's the pronunciation button. So you've searched for that structure, right? You're a, you're a brand new student. You don't know how to say a lot of these anatomical terms. So you search for it and then you click on the pronunciation button and you can hear it, right? You can hear how that term is correctly said. So that is definitely another way that students use it. Search for that term. Oh yeah, I wanna hear the pronunciation and then they can hear it. So that really allows it, you know, to be a tool that is always there for reference. And, you know, I think once students start to use APR, the students I had would tell me, um, oh yeah, whenever I studied, whenever I sat down to study anatomy, my computer was open and then I was looking at APR. 
Um, and we should say ATMR, APR is HTML5. So you do need to have an internet connection. It works on a laptop, obviously, but also works in a mobile browser. So if you have a tablet, you know, depending on the size of your phone, it, it will come up in your phone, on your phone as well. Another, you know, I'd say number two would be APR as sort of a pre-lab activity and self-study tool, right? Where students, because of this, my custom, my course content, right? So we might know, okay, tomorrow is, tomorrow is my um, cardiovascular system lab. And I know that we're really gonna be focusing on the heart. My instructor has made the my course content. The instructor can tell students, hey, go in and review the content for the heart and you know, pay attention to the my course content. And when you're ready, take a quiz. Go to the APR and there's a quiz tool. And essentially this is, this is really like a self quiz, right? This was really created with a student in mind to kind of quiz themselves and learn from their mistakes. And a student can go there and they can take a quiz that's specific to that my course content. So they're not going to be asked about structures of the heart that they're not responsible for knowing. They can do both. They can do all the content or they can do my course content. So it's a great place for students to go and practice in a very low stakes environment, right? They can just go and they can select their topic. They can select what they wanna be quizzed on and then um, the type of quiz, there's a multiple choice, obviously. There's a click to identify quiz, which would be a little bit harder. And then a lab practical. And the lab practical is they have to type in the structure name. And then they can choose, um, do they want 10 questions, 25 questions, or all the questions? So students love that, a great way to see, am I ready for that lab quiz, right? I know I've got one coming up or I have a lab exam. It's a great way for them to practice when lab is not open. And we know that lab availability is always an issue, right? So it really mm -hmm. gives them that, that access um, when they're not in lab, when they can't make open lab hours, um, gives them that opportunity. And of course, it's also a great tool for schools that don't have access to a human cadaver, right? So if you don't have access to a human cadaver, it gives you the opportunity um, as an instructor to allow your students to actually look at these structures in a human. And if you do use the lab, well, it's a great, it's even a better pre-lab activity because it lets you know what it's gonna look like in lab and it's um, obviously much more realistic than even some of the best um, anatomy lab atlases. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, and one of the features that I really like, so I would encourage everybody, if they haven't taken a quiz, to go and take a quiz. And you'll see when the quiz is done, you get a list of which questions you had correct and incorrect. And the questions that are incorrect is like a hot link. So if I got a question wrong about, you know, the internal anatomy of the heart, let's say um, the name of a valve, aortic valve, when I click on that link, I go right to that screen and I can actually study it in APR. So it's not just like, here's a quiz, this is what you got right or wrong. It actually becomes something actionable. Like, oh, I got these wrong, but I can go right to, I can click on the link, 
go right to that module and study what I got wrong. So I like that too about it, right? It's it's um, giving them the, it's also empowering them to do better the next time. Mm-hmm. For instructors that are, so the quiz in APR is not really anything that um, instructors can control. They can simply, you know, they can tell their students, hey, go and do this quiz. And you are able to export a PDF file of your results. I have worked with some instructors over the past couple of years that have come up with some incredibly creative ways to do that. Do you want to hear about these? Oh, absolutely. All right. So we one just, instructor. We, we don't want students to just take these quizzes and, eh, you know, usually if they're optional, sometimes they don't do it. So how, how do those instructors keep them motivated to do so, it? So one instructor, her her problem that she faced, and she said, you know, my biggest problem for lab is students not coming prepared. And, you know, we talked about the different ways you can create quizzes and connect and, you know, really she could select them all. And she wanted something where she didn't have to do too much work up front. And we settled on the, on the lab quiz, the quiz feature in APR. She would give her students the topic. Okay, you know, we have, um, we have respiratory system. I want you to go to the quiz, take the quiz on the lungs, 10 questions, multiple choice. Do submit your best attempt to me, but you have to get 90% to get into lab. So essentially mm -hmm. she created this as like a lab entrance ticket. So the students would show up with their printed out PDF, and that was a few years ago. Now it might be digital, right? They might have it on their phone or they might have emailed it or dropped it into a Dropbox and the LMS, all kinds of different possibilities. But they would essentially say, hey, here's my, here's proof. It's time stamped. It has their name. It has the topic and it has their score and what they got correct and incorrect. And they would show that to get into lab. And she loved it. I love it. it. And she continues doing it, right? It was, it was something very easy for her. She didn't have to set up quizzes. She didn't have to administer quizzes. It was like, just, this is what you do. Um, so that idea was, I was like, wow, that's a great idea. And then I started thinking about one of the problems I always faced when I was teaching. It didn't matter if I was teaching community college or undergrads or medical students. Lab time was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. Students come in, they have a list of things they need to study, and they sort of check them off, right, and they're done, right? In their mind, I've got a checklist. I needed to see, you know, these 50 structures. I've done that. I've answered the questions. I'm done, right? I'm out of here. I'm on to the next, I'm on to the next thing that's part of my day. Well, how do you get students to stick around, right? How do you get them to maximize their lab time? Um, and I thought, well, you've got this idea of the lab entrance ticket. What about a lab exit ticket, right? So before you can leave, right, you're finished lab early. Before you can leave, you have to go over to APR and take a quiz on the lungs. And show me what you got as the instructor, right? And this could be individually done. It could be done as part of a lab group, right? The two, three, or four students that work together in a lab group could take it collaboratively. Um, and, you know, something that shows you've demonstrated some proficiency before you leave lab. Only thing I wish I had thought of was 
when I was teaching, I had thought <laughs> of this idea, right? So I've shared that with a lot of different instructors and, and people have used it and, and liked it, right? Especially in a, in a smaller, in a smaller um, lab group with, you know, numbers might be a little bit more um, manageable, but they could do it on their own device or on a device in lab. Yeah, I like that tangible idea of the ticket to get in or out too. That's pretty cool. And for instructors that really want to go to the next level and say, you know, I want to, I want to choose the specific questions. I want to leverage um, the policies that are in Connect. So if you're a Connect user, you know all of the different policies where you create an assignment, right? Whether it's timed or not timed, one attempt, two attempts, check my work, all of those different features. There's an entire bank of APR questions that use images from APR. There's about a thousand questions. It's in the course-wide content bank, and they can get to that and create their own quizzes, right? And really that's where they can completely customize that to their own course. And that allows them to leverage those um, assessment policies. So if you're a little bit more experienced Connect user, that might be the other way that you want to do that. And that becomes a pre-lab or a post-lab assignment. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I really like um, the idea of them even working in groups. It kind of leads that to the use of active learning a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so yeah, so if you're looking for active learning ideas, right, and and who isn't, frankly, do you have a quiz in APR that's ready to go? So even if you're in lecture, right, I think we also, we always have this tendency to separate out lecture and lab, and a lot of that is how it's done at each school, right? Some schools have lecture sections and lab sections. Um, if, you're, if you're in that paradigm where you've got lecture sections, and your students, some other lab section, you can take 10 minutes during your, during your lecture. Tell students to partner up groups of two or three, open up APR, go to the quiz, take this quiz, right? Maybe the, you know, the first group to get 100% gets an extra point or something like that. Or take the quiz until you get, take the 10 question quiz until you get to 90% and you, know, you get four points or four out of five points or something like that, right? You can, you can kind of make those choices yourself, but it's right there. It's a quiz that's already ready for you. Imagine if you did the lab practical or the click to identify, you would get students talking to one another before they answered questions. And I did this, um, I taught uh, a flipped class of anatomy for two different semesters. And we did this in the class where students were working in a group of six and they would take a quiz in Connect and a lot of times it would have APR images and they would, as a group, right, make these decisions like, oh, this is the answer and then work as a group. And students will tell you that they know, they know the material when they convince, they can convince their classmate that they have the right answer, right? Because it's not just, I know this, it's I know this why, and here's why. And you're essentially teaching, right? You're essentially teaching your peers, like this is why it's right. And they will never forget that material. Shouldn't say that, but they have a much greater chance of actually retaining that, right? When they're not just clicking an answer, they actually have to discuss it. 
So I think that's a great way. Another great way of using APR is a scavenger hunt. And I got to give Steve Sullivan, um, who teaches at A&P at Bucks County Community College and is, is a good friend, um, this is his idea. And this is a great idea. So, again, you can do this as active learning. You can do this with small groups of students or individual students. You can do it in lab or in lecture. Give students a structure name. Have them all start on the first page of APR, right, kind of where it opens up, or, and give them the name of a structure and tell them, you know, the winner is the first person to get there. Raise your hand when you have that structure highlighted on the screen, right? And think about what it makes a student do, right? The way APR works is it's systems-based. First, you have to choose a body system. So if I gave you something like, um, you know, right atrium, Oh, okay, right atrium. Well, that's in the heart, so I got to choose cardiovascular. And then I've got to choose dissection. And then I have to make some decisions, right? Is it in the brain? Is it in the head and neck? Well, it's in the heart, so I make another choice. And then I've got to go to the anterior view of the heart, right? So these different, obviously, there's going to be different places you can see a lot of these structures, but it makes them think about, you know, where they have to go. So it makes them kind of think a little bit logically. Okay, it's this region, it's this topic, it's this view of the body. And again, it's kind of a process, right, where they have to kind of scaffold where to find that structure. And it's fun, right? Who doesn't like fun. a fun little mm -hmm. game? I mean, this would be a great thing to do as like a lab review or an exam review. Do a few questions, give students you know, some extra credit points or even make it a participation activity where, you know, as long as they're participating, lots of different ways where it would, it would be a fun way to do it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, obviously tell them not to use the search box, right? Because the <laughs> search box will get them right there. Right? Need a little bit of honesty. So that's a fun way to do it. Yeah, how about some images? Well, Using, so... Um, the, the other thing that I, I think sometimes instructors don't realize is that within APR, when, when you as an instructor go into anatomy and physiology revealed, you see everything that a student sees, except you have that choice, you have that ability to create your own course content, right? A student doesn't have that. But every other feature is the exact same for a student. So down in the bottom right, is a little camera icon, and it's called the Save Image feature. And it allows you to save any image out of APR. Now, this was revolutionary, right? When, this, when you had the ability to do this on the DVDs and the CDs, <laughs> this was amazing because there weren't all of these quick screen capture tools, right? Those, those, didn't, those didn't exist. You couldn't just grab an image quickly off of your screen and use it somewhere else. So I'm not even sure necessarily how important the save image feature still is simply because you can use, you know, little screenshot tools, but it definitely is there. When you click on that button, it, it works a little bit differently in each browser, but essentially it tells me, oh, do you want to save this highlighted image? Um, you can just right-click, copy image, you can save image as, and you can use it somewhere else. And you can paste that image, right, into 
your lecture PowerPoint. You can paste that image into, um, oh, one of the places that people use this a ton is for the imaging, right? So let's say maybe the nervous system, right? There's some tremendous CT scans in the nervous system for the brain. Um, and that's something that most people don't have access to, right? Most people don't have access to real quality MRIs of the brain. So you could pick a structure like the fourth ventricle on the MRI, save the image, print that out. That could become a question at your lab practical. So worked with a lot of instructors where they'll take certain images from APR, print them out, and put them right down at the lab station. Or they create a um, lab practical that's PowerPoint-based, where they're using images, all of them, out of APR. Or you can create your own quiz questions, right? Take that image, put it into your LMS, and write your own question. So lots of different ways that instructors can do it. But so can students, right? So students have that same image feature. And what I would see, especially the last couple years I was teaching, students would show me their study materials and right into their lecture notes, they had grabbed images out of APR with highlights and put them right there, right? So they had taken an image of the arm muscles, labeled them themselves and put them right in there. Or they've made their own quizzes, right? They take a brain image from APR and draw some lines on it and make their own quiz that they would give themselves or their student or their fellow student uh, or their peers. Um, so ton of, you know, it's a, it becomes a resource for students. It's also great for active learning. So in that active learning classroom, I would give my students different tasks that they had to do, and I would tell them the only place you can use to reference is APR. So you're going to solve this question. You're going to, here's kind of um, a little short answer question, like maybe trace um, a drop of blood from the heart all the way to the tip of the right, uh, right thumb. They could use APR as their reference source. You know, sometimes they had to do it without looking and sometimes they could, but use APR. And then I would ask them to use images to show that to the rest of the class, right? So it becomes something that they can use to really create their own learning resources. Mm -hmm. And I think I, students will do some incredibly creative things with that. Sure, yeah, put it back on their hands. And you mentioned too, um, you're always fighting for the student's time, so you want to meet them right where they are. You have an example, I think, that you used in your own classroom uh, with social media. How did you do APR with social media? So the, the last time, the last year that I was teaching, um, Twitter was really becoming pretty popular, and especially with especially with college students, right? And there were, I'd gone to different like teaching with technology uh, workshops and people were like, oh, I'm using Twitter to communicate with my students. And so I started a Twitter account for the course and I used to tweet out images from APR. So I would just go to APR and highlight a structure, you know, take, a, take an image, a highlight a structure and tweet out a question. You know, who can identify this, right? What structure is it? Um, if it was a muscle, you know, what, what's the name of the muscle? What's its innervation? What's its action? You know, look for, look for questions that was more than just one answer. And I was amazed at the response. You know, students 
they would reply, right? They would they would retweet it. They would favorite the the right answers, and then I would you know retweet the correct answer. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I would wait a little bit just so I would get a bunch of different answers. You just kind of experimented with it. You kind of found out when was a when were students on Twitter, right? It was never like during the day. I didn't get as much reply as you know evening hours. But it was a fun way to sort of the way I approached it was. You know you have them in class certain days of the week, but they're in other classes. They're working. They have families. Like, you're competing for their time. So why not send out a little tweet or something where you might get them to think about anatomy or think about anatomy and physiology for a minute or two that day? And that's not what they normally do, right? Maybe normally on Friday they have a schedule where they're paying attention to their other courses. But it's just sort of that little bit of engagement in a way you could think of it as you're doing your own sort of retrieval and and space practice right you're you could bring up a topic from a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago and just sort of engage them that way you know I think you know today you'd probably use Instagram because that's probably a little bit more Mm -hmm. popular at this point but it's just a fun way to kind of compete for their attention Oh, I love that. And, you know, students probably segment their time, too, just like we do. You know, we have our work during these hours, and we have our family during these hours, and study time during these hours. So it kind of brings that, separates that, so they're not only thinking A and P during a certain hour of the day during their studying that. So it makes them think a little bit more sporadically, I guess you could say. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, this is so great. And these five tips and there are many more and we have some great thought leadership um, as well as more ideas on ATR on our website um, which is mheducation.com backslash higher ed backslash anatomy hyphen physiology and you could probably also just google McGraw-Hill anatomy and physiology and get there as well but isn't it great to have Michael and his passion for learning um, here on Succeed in A&P? And, Michael, thank you so much for your time and all of this advice and insight. Hey, this was fun to do, Valerie, and I hope that we hear from listeners out there with some of their other creative ways so we can just kind of keep adding these to the list. Yes, great idea. Please send us your ideas uh, for A&P, APR. I know that you're probably implementing those listeners out there. I'm sure you have found some other creative ways to to implement some of this. So please, yes, send us uh, your ideas. You can either send them to me, Valerie.Kramer at mheducation.com, or even Michael, Michael michael.coat, K-O-O-T, at mheducation.com. And thank you so much for listening. Um, And if you would like to leave us a review, if you like this episode, please do so. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher for more A&P tips and inspiration. 